1: Welcome, dear listeners, into the family room. We are so glad that you are with us today. This is Mari, and I usually am here with John and Craig, and they are both on vacation. As you know, and my daughter's on vacation, and everybody in my family room seems to be on vacation. Dave, I'm so glad you're still here.
2: I'm here for you.
1: <laughs> That's always great. So we don't have um, John and Craig, but we do have two amazing women women with us here in the family room today. We have Marianne McNeil and Liz Youngs, and you're going to learn a bit more about both of them in just a few minutes. They both work with an organization called PATH. And the reason that we're coming to you, the reason I didn't wait for John and Craig to come back from vacation is because there is just a lot going on out there since the overturning of Roe versus Wade a couple of weeks ago. And we want to be able to come to all of you listeners with as many encouraging stories, with as much hope, as much opportunity for healing as much opportunity to love one on one another as possible when the overturning of roe versus wade first happened we we realized is there's so many ways to minister to others who are struggling or suffering um we recently shared it our in our june 29th interview with kathy schneider we we shared ways to serve mothers and couples who choose to parent their children who are maybe Um, Dealing with challenging and unplanned pregnancies and who have chosen life for those children Uh, If you did not get to hear that interview with Kathy It's an amazing, amazing interview with a lot of amazing resources You can go back into our archives You can go to thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room And you'll see all of our podcasts there And you can also see the show notes that we add to those as well And you can learn about that And you know when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I was seeing so much fear and anger and just attacks that were were coming out, in some cases from people I was a little surprised to see from. And I thought, what do I need to do? How can I answer those questions? What can I say? There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of distrust out there. There's a lot of sorrow and sadness out there. And my heart was just breaking especially for people who are fearful and who are angry. And then I realized I, it would take a long time to be ready to answer those, but we will have in our show notes um, a couple of resources for, you who, for those of you who want to be able to have dialogue. One of the great resources is from an organization called ERI, the Equal Rights Institute, and Josh Bram leads that institute. And we're going to link in our show notes to some of his work, but there's some amazing videos out there that help answer some of the top questions that that we're hearing or some of the top arguments that we're hearing from the pro-choice side. But Josh said something very wise. He said, the first thing what we we need to do as pro-life advocates right now is to just listen, just be there for people and just listen to them and listen to their hearts and listen to their fears. And and it, it struck me and that's what I was hearing as well is what would Jesus do right now? Jesus right now goes to wherever the source of the pain is. Um, he continues to this day to go into those places where there is pain and where there is sorrow and there is hurt, and that's what he does. And the women I'm about to introduce you to today, that's what they've been doing for about 30 years now. They've been going into places where um, there is sorrow and there is hurt and there is, um, in some cases, fear. And so um, as I get ready to introduce Marianne and Liz, why don't we just open with a prayer And uh, then we'll hear more from them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, we praise you. We praise you and we adore you as our Abba father, as the one who loves us more than anybody could ever love us. And Lord, you love all of us. You love the born and the unborn. You love the people who are fighting for abortion rights and you are, you would love the people who are fighting for life. And um, Lord, we just ask that you would fill our hearts with as much love and compassion as possible so that we would go where you would call us each to go and to serve you by loving and caring for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Marianne and Liz, welcome into the family room. Thank you, Maury. Thank you, Mari. So glad to have you with us. And as I mentioned, Marianne McNeil is the founder of a wonderful organization called PATH, which stands for Post-Abortion Treatment and Healing. And Liz Youngs is the program director of PATH. Um, Both of you are just so full of compassion and care for women who've had abortions. Um, You've been ministering both to women and to men, of course, because there are men involved um, whenever there is a, a child lost. Um, through for many years through your ministry. And I would love for you to share with us uh, more about each each of you. Tell us more about you personally. And then also, how did God lead you into serving in this very special ministry? Marianne, I know you founded PASS, so maybe we can start with you this morning.
3: All righty. I have four wonderful kids,
1: adult children,
3: all married, I've been married to John for 43 years. Ooh, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> uh, and I have 10 grandchildren. But the way I got into PATH, it really started back in the 70s and the 80s. I had five really good friends who had abortions, mm-hmm. and um, they were upset, distraught, um, and it was heartbreaking to watch them, and I did not know how to help. And I had a degree in social work and had a lot of experience doing different kinds of group work, but nothing regarding abortion. And I just felt helpless and and a little bit lost. At the time, I was attending St. Jude's uh, in Sandy Springs. And I had a friend, Anita Willoughby, who was the pastoral minister at that time. And she and I were buddies. And she was also really concerned. We had seen this. She had had people she knew who had abortions and so we thought you know maybe we could do something about this and we started some informal support groups and that was back in 87 but um, at the time I was a I was a cradle Catholic I kind of you know respected the church went by the rules but I can't say it was really a heart thing for for me at that time now, Anita was different. She definitely had a heart for Christ. She knew scripture. And when I worked with her, I had my little bag of social work tricks with my social work degree. And Anita had scripture and she had God. Mm. And when she would respond to the women in the group, they would lean forward and say, is that really in the Bible? Where Where is that? Is Really? Is that true? And they just would melt. And I Mm. thought, oh my gosh, I am really missing something. And so as it turned out, Anita was transferred. Her husband was transferred. She left me with the ministry and I was pretty scared because I knew I didn't have the spiritual piece. She left me a box of books, which was (laughs) wonderful. And there was a, a Bible study in there. And the next group I had, I pulled it out and I told the women, I said, Listen, y'all, I have never done this, but this is a Bible study. It looks really good. Would you be my guinea pigs? And they were like, yeah. They said, yeah. And started using this beautiful Bible study, and we just never looked back. Mm. So that's kind of how I kind of came into it as a cradle Catholic. But I just think over, the, over time, I just watched how spiritual some of these women were and the beautiful things they wrote about in their Bible studies. And it, it it just was
1: transforming for me. And I love the fact that God was transforming you in the process. Yes. Of this. Yeah. Yeah. And how he takes us and he takes our hearts. And you had a heart for people as a social worker. Obviously, you had heart for people. And then he helped you to see where was the pain right. that he wanted you to walk into to be a part, a co-laborer with him right. in this vineyard right there. And you didn't even know you were being called by no, him. No,
3: I didn't. I yeah. know That's why when Mari first asked me, how was it when God called you? I kind of laughed. I was like, I didn't even know he did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he knew and he was there. Yeah. Thank you, Marianne. Liz, would you share your story with us?
2: Sure. So... I want to say that, you know, in God's economy, nothing is ever wasted. And um, Mm -hmm. what was meant for evil, uh, he has turned into something good and beautiful for his glory. I became a client of PATH back in 2010, as I was struggling with my past abortion decisions that had happened years and years prior. Mm. And just to give you a little backdrop of my story, um, I was raised in a Catholic home with good morals and good values. And Catholicism was really an important part of my life growing up, but I must admit that I really didn't understand a lot of it. In fact, I thought that some of the teachings of the Catholic Church were somewhat archaic, mm-hmm. um, just because of what was going on in my own thinking, in my own head, and um, I did make my sacraments, and, and there was a foundation being laid for me, which later in later years has proven to be really a beautiful thing with the foundation. Um, but seeds were being planted, but I I really didn't understand my faith, and and nor did I rely upon it. Um, So going to church back then was something that we did, um, and I just kind of went through the motions. So in my teens, uh, I was trying to grow up too fast, and I got involved with alcohol and drugs, and after high school, I became involved in a seven-year dysfunctional relationship, and... Um, The fruits of that relationship, I had gotten pregnant twice during that relationship, and both those children I aborted. Mm. Um, I knew it was wrong, but I tried to justify it. Um, Both he and I were deep into alcohol and drugs, and I wasn't ready or well enough to be a parent, and neither was he. And I was embarrassed to be pregnant out of wedlock. And so after that relationship ended... Um, after the seven years, I jumped right into another destructive relationship, which lasted for four years. And during that relationship, during that four years, once again, I found myself in, a, in an unplanned pregnancy. And um, unlike the first two children that I aborted, I never even gave the father a chance to have a say so in it. I, I aborted before I even told him that I was pregnant. Mm. But this third pregnancy that I was with, um, I told my boyfriend, and I was hoping that I would have a different outcome, because I did not want to have another abortion.
4: Mm.
2: And um, unfortunately, however, though, my, my boyfriend did not want the child. And so to save my relationship with him, uh, I made the decision to abort my third child. And, you know, the, the strange thing about abortion, even though I knew it was wrong, when I went and had uh, my abortion, you know, at first I felt relief. Mm -hmm. Like the crisis is over, but that quickly turned into unbearable grief and sadness and sorrow. Um, I did become angry and depressed, and my alcoholism and my drug abuse continued to increase. Yet no matter how much I drank or drank or drugs, um, the pain would not go away. I mean, there was just not enough alcohol or drugs to silence my conscience, and my life was spiraling out of control. So in 1993, I got sober, and I started— a new relationship and personal relationship with God. Mm. But I had a lot of other things in my life that I had to kind of clear up and clean up. Um, but those abortions were always kind of percolating. And I had gone to to, um, to counseling, to two separate counselors on two se you know, two different occasions during that time. And, um, you know, I did talk briefly about my abortions because they were bothering me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and I was told by both of these counselors, well, Liz, you did the best you could with what you had at the time. So in other words, that was basically all we talked about. That that was the end of the discussion about Mm -hmm. my abortion. And I was paying these people for, you know, some other things in my life too, but those things were bothering me. And to have that answer, I so wanted to wrap my mind around that but unfortunately, it just didn't sit well with me. Like, I knew better, and I did it anyway. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, finally in 2010, I, well, let me back up. A couple of years prior to me coming on the Rachel's Vineyard retreat in 2010, a friend of mine had told me about PATH. And, you know, my abortions were back. If I got sober in 1993, my my three abortions were in the late 80s my last mm-hmm. one was in 1992 I don't remember when the first two were but they had to have been in the 80s and so all these years you know had gone by and um a friend of mine told me about PATH and I said you know what I don't need that I'm, I'm good you know she told me what PATH was all about and I said I don't, I don't need to do that you know I'm those were so long ago I'm I'm all right
1: and I think that's the lie that's being told to women, too, right? Oh, you don't need to worry about that, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll get into some of the symptoms of um, a yeah. woman that is experiencing an abortion in, in, in a little bit later. And, and I was definitely symptomatic of all those, mm-hmm. um, although I never connected the dots. But, you know, when I did attend the Rachel's Vineyard Retreat and participated in a Bible study with the PATH ministry, um, what I what happened with me was. For the first time, it was a safe place for me to share my secrets with others who had been there also. Mm-hmm. Um, and God poured out his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, and I was able to acknowledge my three children and grieve their law yeah. and accept their love and forgiveness, you know, for the first time. And, you know, what God did for me was he showed me that his mercy is bigger than my poor choices. Yeah. And, you know... Um, I was able to name my three children, um, Catherine, Rachel, and Matthew. Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: by me uh, coming on that retreat and the Bible study, you know, it was almost like it's Matthew. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. And the reason I love that scripture is because what happened to me during that retreat and during my healing process, um, how could I remain silent about this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a paralegal. I worked in the legal field for many years and my parents got ill. And after I had come on the retreat, I reached out, I think it was a couple of years after my retreat um, later and to, to one of the facilitators and i said you know what's going on with path how can i get involved because i really wanted to pay this forward mm-hmm. and you know i started working under marianne as her admin person when marianne was director and then when jody duffy was director i was i served as admin and somehow you know like i said in god's economy nothing is ever wasted and here i am now the program director and i absolutely feel so honored and privileged to be in this, um, in my, I'm in my element, you know, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. So I'm, I'm, I feel so blessed.
1: Thank you. And thank you for the, um, the intimacy that you've brought us into and for the, um, just the beautiful way that you have been so open in sharing some very difficult parts of your life with us. And I think that that's what happens is that the evil one wants to have all that hidden, right? He wants to keep all of those things hidden because if they stay in the darkness and they don't come into the light, they can't be healed and yet God won't be glorified unless you're able to do that. So thank you for, for your willingness to be so transparent. Um, So listeners, if you are just joining us, you are here in the family room. We are talking with Marianne McNeil and Liz Youngs of PATH, the post-abortion treatment and healing ministry. Um, So both of you um, mentioned, you know, Marianne, you had these five friends, and Liz, you had your own personal experience. Both of you mentioned different symptoms that women were having. After an abortion, and as I mentioned a minute ago, you know we do hear a lot of lies about uh, out there about oh nobody there's no there are no symptoms afterwards. Your life is great. You're you're on a great path afterwards. You know all the problems have been overcome and taken care of. But that's not what you've seen personally, and that's not what you've seen in the hundreds of women that you've worked with through Path as well. And um, Liz, you just mentioned that oftentimes people don't connect the dots between what's happening in their lives and a past abortion. Would you, dry, would you guys describe that a bit further? Um, what, what is it that you see happening? What are some of those symptoms that women are dealing with?
2: Well, um, you know, first of all, I'd like to say that a mother's job is to nurture and protect.
4: Mm-hmm. And when a
2: woman experiences an abortion, um, she fails her child. You know, mm-hmm. she is not nurturing and she's not protecting that child. And, you know... So we suffer emotionally and spiritually. We've got these wounds, and they are triggered in many different ways. Some of those symptoms can be um, uh, anxiety, just this overwhelming anxiousness. and Or women maybe I was uncomfortable with being around babies and pregnant women mm-hmm. and being at baby showers. Mm-hmm. Um, even when my own sister started having her own children, I was jealous of her of her pregnancies and I was uncomfortable to be around her and my little nephews. Mm. Um, And um, another common symptom, I've had three abortions and it's that repeat pattern of repeating the unplanned pregnancies. Um, Mm. It's it's another common symptom Um, full of anger and irritability, just being on edge. And that's the longer I, you know, as I got into years since my abortions, I was full of that anger and irritability and I didn't even know where that was coming from.
4: Mm.
2: Um, And, and what's so prevalent with uh, many of us, most of us is the guilt and the shame. Those were our constant companions and it causes us to have difficulties with intimate relationships. And I don't mean just boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. I mean, we keep people at Mm arm's length, not letting them to get to to Mm -hmm. know the real us Mm -hmm. for many years. And, you know, um, and that, you know, Marianne, um, she also knows that, you know, I mean, that we, we, we could become very isolated, you know, and that's a, that's a perfect storm for depression,
4: yeah. um,
2: to settle in. Yeah. So those are just some of the symptoms, you know, and you don't have to have all the symptoms in order to, uh, you know, think, oh gosh, you know, um, also my alcoholism, <clears throat> my, my drug addiction, eating disorders, um, you know, just this unresolved grief that we that we share. You know, what I've learned is all losses need to be grieved, no matter what they are.
4: Yeah.
2: And, you know, society, you know, we've got societies shouting their abortions. Um, and we also have people like what I experienced, you know, you did the best you could with what you had at the time. So there was no, no talk about, oh, this needs to be grieved. This mm-hmm. needs to be processed.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: so we're left holding this unresolved grief in our heart. And as mothers, that's the grief of a loss of a child or children, Um, that is, it's unbearable.
1: Right,
3: Mm -hmm. right, yeah. Yeah, and when you stuff these feelings for so long, they're gonna come out some way, like what you said, Liz, irritability or depression or anger or anxiety. Um, Some other symptoms that I've noticed, people don't wanna go to the doctor, Mm. (laughs) even Mm. for ordinary things, because it just reminds them of the clinic. Um, Another symptom is um, mothers becoming very, very overprotective of their subsequent children, um, you know, to a ridiculous extent sometimes, um, which was a surprise to a lot of people. They didn't know, they didn't connect that one. I've Mm -hmm. I've had that one, too. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's so very helpful. And I think especially right now, um, we've just come through this pandemic and we've seen how isolation can create depression. Depression and anxiety are huge right now. But there's that isolation from abortion that creates that depression and, and as well. And um, and all of these things that you just talked about, I had one um, young woman tell me about how she suffered basically PTSD symptoms mm-hmm. um, after mm-hmm. an abortion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. that's one of the reasons we're talking about this right now, because anytime abortion is in the news, that becomes one of the triggers. Like you guys said, the trigger could be a doctor's appointment. The trigger could be somebody else being pregnant or having a, a child. But the trigger is also whenever abortion is talked about. So we want to get out there and be there for those women who are being triggered right now because of past abortions that they've had. And... um you know, it's really important for people to be aware of those symptoms and the resources, especially now after the overturning of Roe v. Wade because of this triggering. And I know several of you in several times, you guys have said in the past that sometimes it took like Liz for you many years for women to come and um, seek help, but you're actually seeing women come more um, recently, re, uh, more recent after their abortions as well. What's, what's some? What are some of the things that you're seeing there?
2: Uh, well, what I'm seeing there are, um, you know, the chemical abortion, also known as the, the abortion pill. Right. Um, it, it's a completely different animal than having a surgical abortion.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when a woman experiences a surgical abortion, such as what I experienced, you go to the clinic and, um, you know, it, it, I was awake for all three of my abortions, but... Um, you know, there's, there's medical personnel there kind of dealing with all of this, you know, this stuff. And um, when a woman experiences the, the pill abortion or the chemical abortion, they are given the first set of pills at the clinic to start the process, mm-hmm. start the termination. And then they are sent home with the se- second set of pills for them to take the next day,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which um, starts the contractions and starts, you know, to mm-hmm. empty out the, the, the contents of their uterus. Um, and they are left to their own devices with mm. this, um, you know, they kind of shrouded by saying you can, you can have this, you know, procedure done in the, in the comforts of, in, you know, privacy of your own home, as opposed to being in a clinic where it's more invasive, blah, 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 with the surgical, but they're not told everything that they are, that they are going to experience, yeah. which is, you know, very traumatizing, um, you know, beyond traumatizing because they have everything. Uh, I mean, they have to deal with all that by themselves.
1: Right. And and if anybody's seen the movie unplanned, you actually saw a bit of a tone down, although still very graphic and difficult, um, portrayal of what that actually looks like Um, yeah we've got about um, just a couple of minutes in this first half of our our conversation if you're just joining us you're listening to Marianne McNeil and Liz Young's and we're talking about just post-abortion treatment and healing and how we can reach those women and I think one of the reasons it's important right now to talk about this is because we may be seeing more chemical abortions happening as um, abortion clinics shut down and um, one thing I do, uh, one lie I do want to make sure people know is if you have taken that first pill and you have had a change of heart, there is help for you. If you haven't taken the second pill yet, there there can be help and there are some medications you can take and we'll make sure to put a link in our website as well for, for doctors who can help you um, if you have changed your mind because many times women have changed their mind. Um, and so there is that. Yeah, Liz, were you going to say um, something I else?
2: Gu- I was just going to say, excuse me, Mari, um, that that is called the abortion pill reversal, also uh, termed as APR, um, just to just to give that a yeah. name.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, One thing I was going to add, too, that um, I I know that people aren't thinking about, but they say, you know, you can go take this pill and in the privacy of your own home or the comfort of your own home, which is kind of laughable, because if you have a trauma in your own bathroom, You're not going to want to use that bathroom. Mm. You're not going to want to be reminded. It Mm. becomes a trauma site.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about the resources that PATH offers and get more detail into what it is, the work that you guys are doing with these young women and older women and men as well. And so please stay tuned, listeners. Um, Join us back here in just a few minutes here in the family room.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest.
5: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
0: Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest.
1: I'm Mari. I'm here with our guests today, Marianne and Liz, and we are talking about their ministry, PATH, Post-Abortion Treatment and Healing and if you didn't get to hear the first half of our conversation, please go back into our podcast and listen because this has been a really important conversation for people to hear and to know and to understand. Ladies here in the family room, just to lighten up our topic just briefly, we do always ask our guests about their favorite family room memories. And it can be from when you were growing up or it can be your family, your your current family room memory. Marianne, we'll start with you. What's your favorite family room memory you can share?
3: I think my favorite memory is when I was about, I think I was about 11. Mm. And um, I had uh, an older brother and two older sisters and I. And somebody came up with a grand scheme of giving my mom a big bouquet of flowers for Mother's Day. Uh-huh. And so my brother could drive and we all piled in our red Balkan station wagon and drove around what was then pretty rural Dunwoody <laughs> and there were houses that were sort of way back from the road and they might have some roses on a fence on the front and so you know, Marty would drive, and one of us would jump out and snip off a flower, and <laughs> jump back in the car, and we were laughing. Oh, we thought we were so clever, and we just had a ball. We were laughing and basically stealing everybody's flowers, but we only took a few from each house. And really, the back of the station wagon was packed. I can still see it on newspaper in the back of the station wagon, and that was my mom's Mother's, Mother's Day gift. And I don't, even though we stole, I, I don't remember anybody being upset with us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, so Liz, what about you? What's your one of your favorite family room memories?
2: Well, I'm thinking back about my own daughter, Grace. She's now 23, but I'm thinking about her being raised up with... She's been fortunate enough to have close family, cousins, grandparents. All of her grandparents live here close. You know, so she was just immersed in their lives. In fact, my parents' house was like a second home to her. And um, as she got older and as my parents got older... Unfortunately, their health started to decline. You know, my dad and my mom both have dementia. I lost my dad um, about a year and a half ago. But Grace was is still and, and was always willing to go and visit my, gran- my parents, her grandparents. And my dad, with his dementia, had gotten so bad that sometimes he was just, he was uncommunicative. He had gotten uncommunicative. But every time that Grace would come and visit my parents, my dad, his eyes would just light up Mm -hmm. and like he recognized her. Sometimes he wouldn't recognize us. He he would light up for us too, but he (laughs) never lit up for us like he did for her. And it was just, it's it's a very uh, Mm -hmm. beautiful memory that I will always keep in my heart. And Grace and I were both there the the day before my father passed away and um, a wonderful priest came to give my dad the, um, the last rites or the Mm -hmm. anointing of the sick. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beautiful experience. My dad was almost in a comatose state, but for us to witness him trying to bless himself
4: mm-hmm. and
2: trying to say amen, it was just such a such a beautiful experience to see how important faith is. That, that's what my parents instilled in me growing up, mm-hmm. even though I rebelled for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now my daughter was a witness to that, how important it was you know, that we, we had a priest come for my dad in his last moment mm-hmm. um, and how important it was to him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really, I have a lot of favorite memories, but that's very endearing to me that God gave us that beautiful gift for Grace to have all that time with her grandparents growing up, but then also, you know, as she's traveling right. this road with them now.
1: Right. So, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So before our break, or during, actually during our break, um, Dave, our producer, who's the only male in the room today, since John and Craig aren't with us, asked a great question. You know, before our break, we were talking about some of the symptoms that women who've been through abortion deal with. And he said, well, what about the men? Because, you know, in some cases, the man isn't told. Um, and does not get a chance to know or intervene or have any say in this, unfortunately. Um, But there are times, obviously, that the man does know. And what about the symptoms that men face? So what is it that you guys have seen in the men you've ministered to? What are the symptoms that they're facing as a result of abortion?
2: That's a good question, Mari. Just like a mother has a job, but a father's job is to provide and protect. Yeah. And so when they fail, uh, not only their wife, or their girlfriend or whatever the the child the child's mother to provide and protect they also fail on the unborn child's level yeah as a result of that many men experience rage
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, anger um, they also struggle with lack of intimacy perhaps a porn addiction workaholism they just throw themselves into work um, alcoholism drug addiction They, they struggle. We offer healing for men also uh, because of these symptoms. And many of them, many of the men do not connect the dots either. Yeah. just like a woman doesn't connect the dots.
1: Yeah, so let's jump into that, because I think it's important for us to understand some of the resources that PATH offers. And I know there are two very specific ones that you offer, You and you alluded to it, Liz, that you actually went through the, the Rachel's Vineyard um, retreat, and then there w- there's this Save One Bible study. So Marianne, would you start by sharing with us a bit more about the Rachel's Vineyard retreat? Well, the Rachel's Vineyard retreat was... Um designed by Teresa
3: Burke, who's a psychologist up in in uh, Pennsylvania.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, it it's very unique in that uh, this is kind of the format. When people come to the retreat, they are invited to uh, we'll will be sitting in a circle with mm-hmm. a team mm-hmm. and they're invited to just close their eyes and hear a scripture passage. And that passage is followed by a meditation. And they're asked to put themselves in that story, in that in in that meditation that's based on the scripture, and then following that, they're invited to open their eyes when they're ready. And there's an activity that follows, and the activities vary. Mm-hmm. They they might be as simple as saying a prayer or lighting a candle, um, and some of them are more complicated, like you go off and you write something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a series of those as maybe eight or nine of those all weekend. And each one, each of those activities in those scriptures is based on some of the different feelings and the tasks that people have to go through Mm. um, to heal. Like um, they deal with anger, they deal with being betrayed, they deal with being lost, Mm -hmm. being Uh, unforgiving, being angry, uh, all these different things. And you kind of work it through to finally where you can receive Christ's love. Mm. Um, And they're very, it's an experiential thing. You don't ever sit and listen to a talk like on other retreats. You are busy doing something. You're either listening or you're doing an activity. And um, it very much engages the senses, all the senses. And so this is, Um, Teresa had found in her research that this was after she designed the retreat that people heal from trauma through their senses Mm. you can't just talk to them about it and they have them talk talk therapy isn't enough they need to use their senses and they need to be moving
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and uh, it seems to connect the brain you know the different parts of the brain to help them heal so it's really um, she said she likes to
1: say that the Holy Spirit was way ahead of all the science. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, and it makes sense because abortion was a physical thing that happened, right? So if you're, and, and it affects you in your whole body, in all your senses in your body. So um, True. so what's fascinating as you describe it is it sounds like we're going from all of the symptoms that you guys talked about and then how are each of these symptoms healed along the way in the retreat. And so it's a three-day retreat. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And it's open to both men and women as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, And so I know that oftentimes people then can follow up the retreat with the Bible study. So, Liz, would you describe a bit about the Save One Bible study that you all offer?
2: Uh, One more thing I wanted to say about the retreat is it is open to anyone who has been affected by an abortion experience. So, in other words, it could be a grandparent. It could be an aunt, uncle. Mm. Um, My own daughter went through the rachel's vineyard retreat as a, because she's she wanted she needed to grieve the losses of her three siblings
1: yeah her, her um, siblings yeah
2: and we've had medical personnel come who, who have not had an abortion themselves but have participated in many abortions mm, so yeah. it's open to anyone men and women it's a beautiful experience um so yes i'd like to talk about the bible studies um you know, one good fruit of COVID is we have um, opened these Bible studies up virtually, okay. which has really um, allowed us to broaden our reach to people all over the United States. Well, all over the world, really. Um, but we've had people from Oregon or California or Texas participate in our Bible studies. We, and we are doing them face-to-face again, but we are keeping the virtual Bible studies in place also. But the Bible studies are, um, they usually last about 12 weeks. And again, since this is a spiritual wound, you know, people, men and women are suffering from the spiritual wound of abortion. Again, we we, ha- we apply God's Word mm-hmm. um, to to this wound, just like we do in the retreat um, for the healing. And um, the Bible study we use is called Save One, and it's written by Sheila Harper up in uh Nashville Tennessee and um, it's it's a beautiful we we have small groups or we can do a one-on-one these are also offered for both men and women Um, in those groups we do separate the men and the women okay we also offer both day and evening classes
1: and all of this information will be in our show notes so that people can access and learn how they can get involved yeah And then I know that you also discover that sometimes people aren't quite ready either to go on a retreat or to get involved with the Bible study. So you've got some additional mentoring programs or maybe even after care, after they've done this as well, because this is a, you walk alongside these people no matter where they are. So can you share a little bit more about that, Liz?
2: Yes. Um, Thank you for asking about that. First of all, at PATH, we want to meet the client where they are. Um, And so therefore, like you said, there's many uh, clients that, that, call, and they may have just had an abortion, uh, you know, the the weekend prior. And Mm -hmm. um, they may not be ready for that retreat or Bible study, or we may not have one coming up very soon. So this, the mentor, it's a one-on-one mentorship program where, which is really ideal for someone who may be just starting their healing journey. Mm -hmm. Um, We will match them with a mentor and our mentors, all of our volunteers, I mean, that's the heartbeat of our organization, our, our fabulous volunteers and facilitators. Um, they have all come through our programs, and um, um, most of them have experience in abortion themselves. Um, some of them have not, though, that, that mm-hmm. have a heart for, for this ministry. But the mentorship lasts for about eight weeks, and it, it this is usually done on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's it's really good for someone who needs to unpack their story. Um, and sometimes they don't want to meet like face to face Mm -hmm. because it's so, they've been so traumatized and there's so much shame that is involved that it's best for them just to do this over the phone, you know, just, Mm -hmm. um, and just have an audio, you know, connection with someone as with all of our programs, we do, you know, provide a safe place for them to tell and unpack their story and to process that. Um, and it also includes sharing and listening and, and praying with the mentor. Um, the mentor is compassionate, and they they come into a a non-judgmental um, environment. And we also have a little little booklet that we take them through. It's a little curriculum that we use, um, and that that usually lasts for about eight nine weeks. Some some of our mentorships have lasted longer. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, again, we meet them where they're at, and we don't rush them. Um, And then after that, the mentorship is over, then the client and the mentor will talk about what their next steps in their healing journey is.
1: Okay, great. So listeners, if you're just joining us, you are here in the family room, and we are here today with Marianne McNeil and Liz Youngs with PATH, and um, you can hear that we're talking about how to serve and minister to those people who have been affected by abortion, so um, one of the things that I think is so important, too, and we'll make sure on our website we have a way that you guys can, uh, in our show notes, how you can get involved with PATH. But some of the beautiful stories I know that both of you probably have from the hundreds of women and some men as well that you've worked with. But would you just share with us a couple of the stories that you have of of uh, of, of what you've seen as a result of, of people going through these ministries that you have, that PATH?
3: Um. I have a story. Uh, There was a a woman who came to a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. Uh, This is actually many years ago, but she um, had not told her family she had an abortion and she hadn't told her husband. And she had, I believe she had three daughters. Um, And at the end of the retreat, we have a beautiful memorial service where we honor the children that were lost to abortion. And we invite, well, prior to COVID, we, we allowed them to invite their family members to come and share that that service with the person who has gone through the retreat. And so she had to call her, her daughters and tell them what had happened and invited them to come to the memorial service and her three daughters they all came they supported her it was very beautiful and um after the service she found out that one of them was pregnant and was considering abortion oh wow and um changed her mind and had the child you oh, know my word. and then kind of along those same lines we've had a number of people that we've worked with that have talked to their own children about their experience and have prevented abortions as well Mm.
1: so and and their children how did they react when their parents told them or their moms told them specifically
3: you know to a one i've never known of anybody that was rejecting of their parent or ugly about it in any way i mean they're amazingly compassionate
1: Mm.
3: um and that's probably a fear yeah. of not oh, sharing because definitely. they're afraid
1: of the judgment. And of yet, course. wow, it was yeah. the opposite. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Liz, how about you? What are what are maybe one or two of the stories that you can share with us?
2: Well, what comes to mind um, is is a beautiful uh, redemption story um, um, of of a woman that she held the secret of her abortion for almost fifty years, and um, she came through the retreat and she was struggling with that because you know uh, we we just as a protective um we just as a protection for ourselves we try to we our, our hearts become almost like stone
4: mm-hmm. and
2: um you know we don't want anything to penetrate that mm-hmm. um, including the healing balm of christ
1: yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but anyway on as the retreat uh went on she finally allowed God to come into her heart and she it was just such a powerful experience for her and this was just a couple years ago and now she has come back uh to serve on our Rachel Vineyard retreat she co-leads bible studies for us Mm
4: -hmm. She is
2: the regional coordinator for silent no more uh awareness campaign and she shares her testimony publicly to whoever uh Mm -hmm. she can Mm -hmm. um And she is one of my most active mentors as we do the one-on-one mentorship program. And she also is a sidewalk counselor, and she stands outside uh, Planned Parenthood. I mean, she is one of those that Mm. is just, you know, um, so active, and it's so beautiful to see, um, you know. And also, I want to share about my own daughter. Um, She's now 23, almost 24, But she came through the Rachel's Vineyard Retreat um, to grieve the loss of her own three siblings, and she went down to college in Macon, and uh, I get a phone call from her one day, and she said, Mom, there's a girl that I work with, and she's pregnant, and the father of that child is, is, you know, really pressuring her to abort.
4: Mm -hmm. Can
2: you come down and talk with her? And I said, well, I mean, I can't just swoop in there, and, you know, does she want to talk to me? And she said... She does. She goes, I shared your story, a little bit of your story with her. So um, anyway, I went down to Macon, and the three of us went to dinner, and I shared my story with her. And um, she has chosen, she chose to parent, mm. and she, her daughter now will be two years old in September. Oh, wow. Just and and my daughter, I just really appreciate her courage for speaking out. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're when you're in college and most colleges are liberal and pro choice, um, she stood her ground and went out on a limb and didn't care what people thought because she knew that a life was at stake. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a beautiful story, beautiful testimony to life.
1: That is beautiful. And you know that only happened because of your willingness to share and be vulnerable and share your story with your daughter. And so yeah. then she was able to, to move into that. That's just beautiful move. to you know, as you guys told those stories, I, you know, the image, one of the images that came to me was the woman at the well and how Jesus stepped into her story and where she was hiding and she was isolated from other people. And he stepped into her story, and he offered her mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and compassion, which is all that they get to experience through your Rachel's Vineyard retreats and through these Bible studies. And then that woman at the well went yelling back Mm -hmm. to her village, right? And she wanted to share with everybody, and she wanted to offer that same love and compassion. And that's what essentially your daughter did that, Liz. She offered that hope and that compassion and that love to that young woman who was struggling. Now there's a, a precious two-year-old baby um, because yes. of that that obedience to that. That's beautiful. Um, well, I tell, I yeah. tell you,
2: Mari, Mari, I have not yet met a, a, a person who has been through an abortion healing program who repeated an abortion. It's oh. testimony in, in and of itself. And healing breaks that trauma cycle and prevents repeat abortion. Yeah. And it also, as a result of that, I mean, we have countless stories where some of the greatest pro-life warriors in the movement are are those of us who have been wounded by abortion. Right. right. Um, You know, we have been there. We have experienced the pain and loss from abortion. And we have been part of the great redemption story that Jesus's miracles are still alive and alive being performed so I just A- wanted to put that of
1: there. course amen so well said so well said I think that sometimes It's so important. God still gives miracles. God still provides miracles. And there is always hope in Christ. Um, One of the things that you just referred was you can be involved in the ministry if you've had an abortion, but you can also be involved in the ministry if you haven't had an abortion as well. And so um, can you guys just briefly share? We've just got about two or three minutes left. Can you share a couple of the ways that people can get involved with PATH and help? And PATH um, now is actually part of the pregnancy aid um, clinic here in Atlanta, um, PAC. Um, so, but we'll have links to that. So how can people get involved and serve with PATH?
3: So people can volunteer by, um, first of all, they would call Liz as the director. And um, what we ask you to do is if you would like to lead a Bible study or participate um, on the team for the retreat, you go through that bible study as a participant first or the retreat as a participant first because we don't allow anybody to observe um, and if you have not had an abortion we ask that you grieve another issue um, and people have come with all kinds of things that they have grieved it could be a miscarriage or it could be a death in a family any of those things Um, That way you are part of the part of the retreat and experience.
1: And then I know, of, obviously, you guys can always take money, so there are always opportunities for money as well. And um, But we will have on our website some of the different things that people can do and how they can get involved. So that is wonderful, and I love the fact that um, you get served as a, as a person volunteering as well by actually experiencing some of these beautiful ministries. So final words of hope. Um, what kind of final words of hope, Liz, would you share with anybody who is being touched by abortion? Yes.
2: Um, so... Again, anybody that reaches out to us for hope, I mean, that's the biggest step is for them to just just reach out to us. Um, we've been there, and um, so we meet them where they are, no matter where they are in their faith walk, um, whether they have,
4: uh, you know, a,
2: a, a theology scholar or they don't have any belief in God. Um, mercy is loving, responding to a human need in an unexpected way. And we at PATH share the gospel of God's mercy and forgiveness and lead them through scripture on this healing journey. And that is why we must change one heart at a time with witness, education, and truth.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Marion, would you close us with a prayer? I know there's a special PATH prayer that Monsignor Lopez wrote for you. Sure.
3: Lord Jesus, you came to show us the way home to the Father. We ask you to pour the power of your grace into the hearts and minds of those in path and those who are listening, who would show the path to healing for all those who suffer because of abortion. Set our hearts on fire with the love of your sacred heart so that no one we meet, crushed by pain, guilt, or grief, will be beyond your saving touch. Awaken our minds to understand, touch our lips with your wisdom, and fill our hearts with such courage that no attitude, no situation, no person will keep us from being your means of mercy. And Lord, we thank you for the truth in your word where you tell us, remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago consider not. See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert, I make a way in
1: the wasteland rivers. Amen the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Marianne and Liz, we could keep on talking. We are so thankful for the the ministry, that you way you serve ladies and men at, through PATH. So thank you for being here with us in the family room today. Thank you, Maury. Thank you, Maury. And listeners, please be with us here again next week in the family room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Verseprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.